all the news, and this is your home for the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. You know, I'm excited. I'm getting excited. I'm going to be up there in Fort Worth. It's a place where our next guest, Kevin Longquist, likes to likes to kind of move around and spend time. And, and uh, for years, we used to work together in Arlington, so he knows Fort Worth really well. Uh, Kevin, have you uh, have you looked into your credentials, the process of being at the Armed Forces Bowl on the 22nd? I hope you're kind of – I don't want you to peak too early. Are you getting excited about the, the uh, Baylor versus Air Force uh, matchup? Uh, I have too much on my mind with the signing day coming up uh, on the 21st as well as the portal going on and the chaos involved in that. And then, of course, we have a defensive coordinator that Baylor's trying to find. So I got enough to fill my days, Matt, before the game on the 22nd. So, And I'm, sure, right. and I'm sure there's a lot for you to talk about, too, on those topics. Yeah, yeah. I uh, And I, I want you to uh, weigh in on some of this. First of all, uh, announcement going out today, DJ Lagway from Willis, Texas, the son of former Baylor great Derek Lagway, made his choice, and he's going to Florida. And uh, Now, Kevin, you always put kind of a positive spin on these things. I kind of like your approach on that. The Baylor cap was present, along with maybe Alabama and a couple of others. Uh, so, you know, sometimes so these big five-star type uh, big-time athletes – uh, quarterbacks, it's good to be in the conversation. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't, uh, uh, Kevin, I, I'm sort of shocked that, well, maybe I shouldn't be. Some people just like the drama and, and like sort of having fake disappointment, I would like to call it. But I, I've noticed out there on Twitter a few people kind of taking this hard, some, some Baylor-type folks. But uh, I don't think you or anybody else tried to make it out like, Baylor was was legitimately in the running for I mean they were at least in the conversation but I don't think you right. ever thought it was leaning that way did you never no I, I I thought that Baylor was in it uh and I hate to use the phrase in name only because of his dad but in some respects they were Matt um it, you know if you just watched DJ over the course of his recruitment there was a lot of you know, he spent a lot of time down in Gainesville with that Florida program there and so it just seemed like that was the way it was trending and then of course it looked like USC made this late charge on him and he went out there I think for the uh, Notre Dame game uh, Thanksgiving weekend and I don't know I, I, I you know, the nice thing about it was that Baylor was in the conversation that was probably out of respect for his dad but you know I, I'll say this you know, given how DJ does like the spotlight and does like the uh, attention, if you will, of the recruiting process, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you enjoy it, you enjoy it. Some kids can't stand it and want to just go crawl into a hole and get it over with. But, you know, I think a lot of schools that are still in the running for him, like USC and maybe Baylor to some extent, should look at his situation and say, okay, this is December 7th, 2022. Signing day for the 2024 class isn't until another 12 months and a week or so. So there's still some time to make him reconsider this. Now, having said that, you know, Austin Novosad made his commitment basically the day after signing day last year, and he stuck through it despite the drama in the summer. But at the same time, it's like I've always said this too, Matt, is that the recruiting really starts when a kid makes his commitment because then it's it's kind of a double-edged sword because the school that won his commitment – has to really maintain that relationship and stay on top of it to make sure that relationship is sound. But then if there's a couple of schools that feel like they're still in the running for him, 
they're going to turn it up a notch to make him reconsider what he just did. And that's all part of the sport of this. What did you think of uh, Devin Neal transferring out at Baylor? Um, Obviously had some good moments and, and the secondary was an issue this year. Uh, I would say Christian Morgan, um, you know, had obviously he's been really good in the past and, and he had a, a frustrating year, I think, for him, uh, based yeah. on his expectations. Devin Neal, you 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 probably remember some of his recruitment, and 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 he would have been part of, I guess, the the rule Rule's group. Last yeah, rules last, last class that 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 came in back in uh, uh, two thousand nineteen class, two thousand twenty class. Yeah, what? Right. Um, how how big a loss is that? And because I, I again, I, I'm not saying he was a star player, but he was a productive mm-hmm. player. Yeah, he was solid. I was a little bit surprised to see that too. But I think Matt, over the course of the season, you know, because he got a lot of playing time early. I think if I remember correctly, he had a pretty big interception at Iowa State. If I have the right game on that, um, and but it seemed like toward the second half of the season that Devin Lemire really came on and shined. And I think that's where he kind of got past, where Neil got past was in that game. And uh, and I think that's probably where things kind of turned uh, in that second half of the year. So, you know, I, I feel like it's, it is a blow from the standpoint that you lose a good, if you will, depth guy. But I think he wants to go to a place, at least the way I would interpret this, it, he wants to go to a place where he feels like he can start and maintain a starting position. And, and go from there. Uh, I, that's the only way. That's the only way I would interpret. I was right, by the way. It was the interception that I would say that he got that gig. Um, I was just looking at his board here a second ago. Um, it, but I think it, it does lend to the fact that you know, if you lose him now that you are, at, maybe there's a chance that he comes back, but I would think it's unlikely. But you lose a guy that that you had some experience back there, and now they got to fi- figure out a way to fill that and. You know, that's also part of the reason why uh, Ronnie Weed isn't back, too, because the safety play struggled this year. And, so, and also the, the special team struggled this year. All right, walk me through what you're hearing. Uh, Kevin Longquist from Rivals.com joining the Matt Mosley Show, ESP in Central Texas. You follow him on Twitter, at Sikkim Sports. And uh, you can subscribe, of course, to, uh, to Rivals.com and follow his work, Baylor Rivals. Uh, really good stuff. That stuff he puts behind the pay side. I'm always peeking behind there, looking around, and there's some really good stuff that uh, Kevin even comments on some of the other sports at Baylor, although he puts a lot of time into this football recruiting. Uh, what, what about this 2023 class? And how how much, um, you know, I'm just kind of wondering what, what, it, what it's like with Baylor playing this uh, – this game, like the day after signing day, the early signing yeah. period. I mean, this is a it's sort of a logistical issue uh, in trying to. Although, in a lot of ways, this class has been put to bed. We know the one player, Brathwaite, ended up going to LSU. Uh, there's one other player you and I were talking about that has uh, has left the fold. Is that right? Yeah, uh, Calvin Clements, the offensive lineman from Lawrence Free State. Um, he was actually one of the later commitments. He committed in early July, and he reopened a couple days ago. And my suspicion is that, he, suspicion is that he's going to uh, flip to, to Kansas here, maybe just a matter of days on him. Um, so that puts him down to 23 in the class. And 
maybe that's in a good spot for Baylor from the standpoint that they have a little bit more room to wiggle to maybe add a couple of guys, if not from the, you know, I wouldn't see it so much from the high school ranks, at least for this signing period, this early signing period, perhaps if they go into February, but also keep in mind too, you know, they've got some things that they can look at in the portal that they can probably maybe fill in that respect. I mean, look at it this way, Matt, you know, you're going to have, four of your five guys from the offensive line this year that are going to be leaving here. And so do you want to groom guys that are going to be coming up through the ranks uh, and have them get ready for the season? Or do you want to go in a plug and play kind of situation there? And I think that's partly what the coaching staff is grappling with right now. My personal feeling is, is that they probably want to get a mix of this, that you don't want to have a bunch of pups starting on the offensive line next year. Uh, you want to have a little bit of uh, some security with some veterans who have been around the division one game. And that's probably where, where they're mining. Of course, with the portal opening on Monday, uh, you've got a, just a, a train load of kids that are on there. And so, and, and, you know, what, what's sad about the, the portal too, Matt, is the fact that about, you know, let's just say for this, I think I saw a number of 900 or a thousand kids in there. Yeah. Maybe about 150 of them are going to probably either maintain or elevate their situation. The rest won't. Yeah, the rest are going the port. You're right, and uh, and then you you don't know where exactly they end up. I always am kind of intrigued by these top players, kind of like Baylor got a few years ago from what was it Arkansas State who ended up uh, going into the NFL. I, I I'm always right. kind of intrigued by like a outside linebacker from Coastal Carolina that just had a great year as a uh, as a sophomore or something like that. It's a one-time transfer and and I uh mm-hmm. you know uh, Baylor's been really selective. They're not a quantity team as far as mm-hmm. the portal. I would say and of course we remember kind of the reasons that happened the the best was that pre-portal or was that uh, right around the time portal started? Doyle is the is the best portals, uh, the best transfer they've had. I'm trying to think if anybody else would. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, you know, Gall coming Miller, in. I think I think Grant Miller and Grant Jacob was good. Were yeah. good. Yeah, and Jacob Gall were good. I mean, those were guys that were pretty good on the offensive line. And you know, even though the offensive line got off to a real sluggish start in the first half, they kind of picked it up in the second half this year. All right, uh, Kevin. What do you what do you make of of this? First of all, the decision uh, for Dave Aranda to to fire Ron Roberts. I mean, that could not have been done lightly. I think some people mm-hmm. look at this and go, "Hey, good on Dave. It wasn't good enough, uh, and he's not afraid to make changes." Uh, I think the other flip side to look at that is like, well, I mean, this keeps happening. I mean, you know, you had to do it immediately after the first year. I mean, obviously you got that right. I think most people have great feelings about Jeff Grimes uh, as the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. At least I do. I think you do, too. Um, but do, now yes. to, do, to do it on the defensive side, um, I, I mean, to me, you don't do it unless you have – something kind of lined up in your mind uh as you start to hear some of these names and look at some of the people out there is there anything that jumps out at you as far as is where you think uh, Dave Aranda may be looking with his hire well to back up first Matt I think you know the dismissal of Ron Roberts is obviously a product of the season that had so many expectations to it and it just fell apart this year let's face it I mean uh, Matt uh, in the last eight games of the year, starting with Oklahoma State, this Baylor defense 
yielded 31 and a half points a game. And that's just not going to cut it. And someone in a, in a season like this, someone's going to have to pay for it. And unfortunately Ron did. And so did Ronnie wheat on the safety side. So, you know, and coordinators, they can last forever. How long your success maintains, you know, for as much as Ron was extolled, you know, for how well he did last year with this year's group or last year's group that won the conference championship and so forth. He, he, it's the flip side this year. That's how cruel this business is. Now, Two names that have been circulated out there that I don't think that's not a shock to anybody would be, you know, uh, Jim Lenhard, the uh, interim coach at Wisconsin, who was the defensive coordinator that was promoted when Paul Chris got fired. And the, the announcement came out on Twitter yesterday by Lenhard himself that said that after Wisconsin's bowl game, the guaranteed rate bowl on our, uh, December 27th against Oklahoma State, that he would not return to Wisconsin. And he worked that out with Luke Fickle. So, that might be a name to look at. Some and some names have that name's been connected there. Uh, then you you got uh, Mr. Pollage, uh, you know the former safeties coach at Baylor. Uh, that was uh, that's co-defensive coordinator at Oregon there, and you know maybe he, he gets a chance. I, I think Matthew is a, a, in a position where I think he's head coaching material. Uh, he's a guy that's yeah, that's got who's really sharp. Did a great job with the special teams and the safeties, of course, last year. And even though Oregon kind of struggled at the end this year. They still were a pretty good defensive team. And I just think that Matt, I think the, the, the drawback maybe for Matt is if he comes here or considers his job, he's going to be coaching under a guy who he already knows, but will always have that, if you will, for lack of a better word, stigma, who's, a, who's got that defensive background. And so Matt's got to maybe have to cut his own teeth, cut his feet on his own, if you will, at other locations to show that he can really do this without a guy like Aranda uh, in, standing behind him. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I'll tell you when our next uh, media availability will be with Dave Aranda is the twenty-first. When you're trying to wrap up all your <laughs> all your recruiting stuff that day, uh, we will Shoot be hearing that. So. <laughs> that'll be the bowl. That'll be the availability. But again, uh, he'll have to. Because it's his choice. I mean, he certainly could have uh, uh, talked after the bowl invitation went out and addressed some of this, but uh, there'll be a lot to cover. The the uh, the recruits that he's just signed, uh, the early signing period stuff, and then the uh, uh, the firing of Ron Roberts. And, of course, we don't know yeah. for sure if he'll have somebody in place by then. He may be waiting. There may be somebody coaching in a bowl game. These things are extremely competitive. So, you know, you could agree, you could agree to something and then let that coach, I guess, go ahead and coach through the deal. But I mean, you'd like to get somebody in here and let them start recruiting and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, it'll, there's not much that guy that can do, you know, let's just say from the recruiting standpoint, his recruiting is going to get started basically in January or February. Once the, you know, there's nothing he can do for the 23 class, but he can at least get you, he can at least help you with the 24 class uh, as that starts to get going. I guess, although Jim Leonard could actually bring in some of the kids he's been recruiting to Wisconsin, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just bring them right in the door with them. So I think they, Absolutely. Uh, I think that might be okay. All right, Kevin. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, last night, uh, I don't know if you saw me complaining on Twitter. Had a little ESPN Plus malfunction, but we finally got Everybody to see the Bears. Was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Tarleton, get it on. I got to say, 
wasn't it good to see Billy Clyde Gillespie? And I know he had all kinds of issues and had medical issues yeah. and didn't treat people the right way out there at Texas Tech and got into some major issues, and he had to get his life turned around. But uh, for right. a man that had like a kidney transplant or, I don't know, he had liver issues, I mean, he, he, he had a lot of issues medically, and it just was good right. to see Billy Clyde stalking the sideline. I mean, I – he he in Texas A and M. I I don't know. And and what's the guy that followed him did fine there. But man, that was a fun fit. That was a great fit at Texas A and M. And that's a that's yeah. an example of a guy who just got out over his skis. And, you know, and it's one, like the one thing I'll say about that game yesterday, though, Matt. You know, even though because they didn't have L J. Pryor with the back, and of course, uh, Flagler was sick. Was you got to see, uh, you know. Uh, you, you got to see kind of some different guys make it make an impact on you know Langston Love. I thought that was a good game for him to kind of break out a little bit, kind of show what he was capable of doing. And I think even if Baylor's front court has got some, you know, still got a lot of work to do in order to become a real balanced approach. But I think what he showed, what what Langston shows, is that you can have four pretty decent scores on the floor at the same time between him, Flagler. Uh, Cryer and of course Keontae George, and that can sometimes carry a long way. In maybe you just get enough from your front court to help you. Yeah, you need more from the front court, but I agree with you. I mean, I, I think uh, Loner can score some, and um, and then I saw a little bit of touch. Ojan Una uh, actually made a, a a jumper or something. It looked really nice, and I thought, mate, maybe he can continue to grow and provide just a little bit of scoring punch when he comes off the bench. But to your point, and I brought this up earlier, um, Langston, and, and I've thought, golly, I can't imagine playing in that bulky brace that he has to wear on his knee yeah. where he had that ACL. But his explosion, I, I mean, he had an alley-oop last night, and I thought, whoa. So mm-hmm. I, I got to say, there's – um, he. I think he's gaining more and more confidence, and he is not short on athleticism. I. I, I think. Uh, X factor. Yeah, yeah, big time X factor. So, I think in the long run, him getting to start and and get a lot of minutes is going to be a great thing for this team. And then, of course, Keontae just. I think Flagler is probably the best player, the best college player on this team, in a sense. But Keontae, I mean, sometimes you watch him and you just go, okay, that's an NBA player. Like, there's no doubt. Mm-hmm. It's like that that's a lottery pick probably, and we got to see evidence of that last night. All right, Kevin, I appreciate it. If we talk any more, I'm going to have to pay you more than usual. Okay, well, then I'll expect a bigger check next week, okay? <laughs> okay, all right, be checking the mail. Thanks, there he goes. Care. Yeah, okay. yeah, you, well, sure, yeah, okay. Kevin Longquist uh, joining us on the Matt Mosley Show.